0: In Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus said, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, what did Jesus really mean by that? Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in this day. What is a kingdom anyway? Is it something set up in the hearts of men? Is it just within us? It's within you. No, no, no. I'm saying no to that. Let's just see what God says about it. Well, let's first of all define what a kingdom is. A kingdom is a king ruling over subjects who live on territory under an assigned set of laws and enjoying the provided goods and services of that kingdom, including a meaningful, satisfying employment situation with lots of benefits. It means having the ability to truly and in truth worship the one true God with thanksgiving and song and prayer and teaching and preaching and reaching and spreading his life-giving information. How? Well, with the power of God's Holy Spirit and with the knowledge of the purpose of why we're here in the first place. Did not Jesus say that all men press into the kingdom? How could it be in your hearts then? Let's take a look at that in Scripture. Luke 16 and verse 16, we'll start there. Luke 16, and turn there with me if you can. Luke sixteen sixteen, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. That's what Jesus said. Instead of us dying and going to heaven, which is not mentioned even one place in the entirety of the Bible, he says that the goal of life that every man presses into is the kingdom of God. Again, the kingdom of God is a king ruling over subjects, living on territory under a set of laws and enjoying the goods and services provided by the government. Didn't Isaiah say that the government shall be upon his shoulders, meaning Jesus? Where did he say that? I'm going to flip over to um, Isaiah 9. For unto us is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, that's a kingdom, hello, <laughs> we should know this by now, of the increase of his government in peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David, where is a a throne found anyway? In a kingdom. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it, excuse me, with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. Wow. Wow. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That's Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Now that sounds like that's a real deal. Where did David reign in the hearts of men? No, 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 no. He killed off his enemies, never leaving a scratch of another person alive. He killed them all. And that is exactly what Jesus will do when he returns. He will kill off all those who oppose him, period. That's why he is clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. It's not his own blood. It's their blood. Jesus is a warrior. To be sure. But let's go on about the kingdom of God. We're going to be reaching, treat, uh, teaching, and preaching and spreading this life-giving information throughout the universe. Yes, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Now, most people think that the Christians, what few there be, Will be siphoned off, raptured, if you will, to heaven, while the earth and all the heavens get nuked, so that there will be a new heavens and a new earth someday. It's as if God were making a prototype universe, and this one wasn't good enough. So, what does he do? He poofs it out of existence. You know, since he spoke it into existence, he can speak it out of existence and make it all go away. There's no landfill to put it in or anything, but it just poofs out of existence so he can poof in a new one. Now, does that make sense to anybody? It shouldn't. No. God's not going to undo that He's going to bring righteousness to it, and that will make it new. He makes all things new. That doesn't mean he gets rid of everything and starts over. No, he makes what's there, those things, new. And how? Wherein righteousness dwells. I'm going to go there for a second. It says that in uh, several places, like Isaiah sixty-five seventeen, Isaiah 66, 22, 2 Peter three thirteen, and uh, the twentieth and twenty-first chapters of um, Revelation, like Revelation twenty-one one says, "And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea." You see, God is in the, the process of rebuilding the earth without the oceans. Did you know that? That's what it says right here. Now, let's go to 2 Peter 3.13. 2 Peter 3.12 says, and, and onwards, Looking for and hasting, or earnestly desiring, the coming of the day of God, that would be the return of Jesus, wherein the heavens being on fire will be dissolved. Now, this heavens is the atmosphere of the earth. This isn't the where the stars are. There are three different kinds of heaven, the heaven where God dwells, the heavens where the planets and stars are, and the atmosphere of the planet earth and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Well, we've talked about that before. Why will they melt with fervent heat? Because they're going to nuke the oil fields in the Middle East. That's why. And it'll set them on fire and it'll get so hot that the surrounding uh, land will melt and fold into the abyss. Just see Isaiah 34, for example, and lots and lots of other places like Joel 2 and Zechariah 14. Anyway, verse 13 is what I want to get at here. Verse 13 says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look forward to a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness." Now, where does righteousness dwell? It dwells in the hearts and minds of men. That's what dwells inside of us. Righteousness, the desire to do rightly, the desire to do righteous things like God would have us do, like he himself does. He lives by his own words. He's not a liar like some little g-gods. We're starting with planet earth. Righteousness will dwell here in the hearts and minds of every man, woman, and child on this earth. We will definitely have to learn how to be righteous. But one day all shall know God from the least to the greatest. Look at Jeremiah 7 and verse 23 with me if you can. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you, Unquote. You want to know what righteousness is? It's that. It's obeying and following what God wants done and thought. For example, the Ten Commandments, that is what is and defines righteousness. Well, what is righteousness? It's love. Love toward God, the first four commandments, and love toward your fellow man, the last six commandments. I must obey them. I want to obey them. I love those laws. And what are those laws? They are the laws of the kingdom of God. Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. So said Jesus. You shall have no other gods before the true God. Commandment number two. Number three. You shall not take the name, the holy, majestic, mighty name of God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who does this. The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There is a time to be holy and to do what God says on that time. So remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the four that define the love we should have for God. That's how we love him. Now, the last six, how we love our fellow men. Honor your father and mother. I haven't always done that. I haven't always kept the commandments. I probably broke every single one of them. I hate that. Uh, Now, I didn't at the time, I suppose, but I didn't think about it. That's the problem. We're not thinking correctly. We've got to learn how to think. Honor your father and mother, the first commandment, with a promise that it might go well with you. We just read that in Jeremiah 7 and verse 23. Obey my voice that it may be well with you. God wants it for our good. Can't you see that? Obeying isn't a problem. That's easy if we understand that God loves us and cares about us and knows what's best for us. Okay, that's the first five commandments. The sixth one, you shall do no murder. Having the spirit of hatred is the same as murder, according to Jesus. So let's obey that and then not commit adultery. Don't go out on your wife or husband. No, 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 no. Don't look at porn. Has, you know, we don't need that trash. God speed the day when it is completely eradicated off the planet. Look, it's like this. If you're into porn, you're either a whore or a monger. Which do you want to be? Try neither, <laughs> Okay, what's the next commandment? The seventh commandment, you shall not steal. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from them. No, 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 no. And then the eighth commandment, you shall not bear false witness. That is, you will not lie. Now, Allah justifies evil. It justifies bad behavior because... It's okay to lie if it advances the cause of Allah. (laughs) How can you trust Him if He lies? No, no, no. We've got to worship a God that will not lie and expects us to be like Him by not lying. That's the ninth commandment. And the last is you shall not covet. Coveting is all done in the mind. Well, so is all the other commandments, really, if we think about it. But coveting is wanting what doesn't belong to us. If we want something that belongs to someone else, we'll find a way to get it or try to. Uh, But anyway, so that's the Ten Commandments. What's wrong with any of those? Nothing. It's all for our benefit. It's all for our good. And for a meaningful life and a future. If you have trouble with any of those Ten Commandments, ask God in prayer, in person, ask Him for His Holy Spirit to help you with it. And He will. I'll guarantee you that. Um, God will guarantee that by His Spirit. What about a future? What about our purpose? Where are we going? Where what are we headed for? In the resurrection. And nobody talks about the resurrection. When was the last time you heard about it? Easter maybe? And we we heard about the resurrection of Jesus. What about your resurrection and mine? And to what body are we going to come up? Study Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and learn all about it. But we are going to have such an awesome purpose. Under the majesty of Jesus, his rest shall be glorious, according to Isaiah. And that glory will be full of majesty. It's not arrogance. It's just power that we can feel and see and do things with. He will give us the power, probably, to heal people. He gave it to his apostles. Why wouldn't he give it to you and me? Maybe not in this time or life, but in the future. Why? That we can make a new earth wherein righteousness dwells. Back to Second Peter chapter 3 verse 13. What else will we do? Well, we'll find the ways, we'll be taught the ways to maintain and promote good health and good habits for life for all people around this earth. Are we learning to do that today? Do you know how to grow your own food? I tell people, look, I don't plant Uh, on days that I don't want to eat. In other words, I plant on the days I want to eat. We should all be planting food, and I mean today and every single day. If you can't do that, if you live in an apartment, you can still do it in a pot. You can grow something. You can grow strawberries, or you can grow onions, or garlic, or something, anything healthy. Do it organically so that your food will be healthy. You don't have to wash it off. That nasty stuff gets in you as well. We are in the process of becoming at one with God, being fulfilled and happy and joyful for permanent life in his kingdom. That's what it's really all about. And spreading that kingdom throughout the universe. Now, where do I get that idea? Isaiah, um, let's see, chapter 34, and, well, no, chapter 35, I'm sorry. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. For who? the saints, and those in his kingdom. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Going on down to uh, verse 4. Saying to them that are of fearful heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense, and he will come and save you. Are we permanently saved now? No. I'm saying no, not yet. But he will come and he will save us permanently. Now, in chapter 40, just a few pages over. Uh, let's see. In verse 5, in the the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Then on in verse 22, It is he that sits upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are like grasshoppers, that stretched out the heavens. In other words, this is God that stretched out the heavens as a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. You see that? Did you ever notice that before? It's built for habitation. The universe is built like a tent to live in. Wow, that's a big deal. Then in 45, and I think it's in verse 18, Yeah, he says, For thus says the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he established it and created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. <laughs> wow. I am the Lord, he says, and there is none else. And then in fifty-one sixteen of Isaiah, one of my favorite scriptures, he says this. And I have put, uh, let's see, hang on a second. I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand. Why? That I might plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, You are my people. Wow. He's planting the heavens? What is he planting the heavens with? People. That's what he's saying here, it seems to me. He's laying the foundation, the first station, if you will, on the earth. This will be the headquarters planet. That's why he's moving here. Whoa, 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 wait a minute now. Aren't we going to heaven when we die, and then we'll be with God, and all the rest of the people will fry in the flames of an eternal conscious torment in hell. The Bible says no such thing, period. Study your Bible. You will learn this. How in the world did we come to the idea that we're going to heaven when we die, since it's not mentioned anywhere in Scripture? <laughs> wow. Why do the Bible teachers still teach it as if it were gospel? The gospel of the kingdom is not within you. We're not going to heaven when we die. We don't have an immortal soul. What was the first lie ever told? Well, that was back in uh, Genesis 3, verse uh, 4, I think. Let me just go over there a second, and we'll get back where we were. Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 4 says, And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God does know that in the day you eat of this apple, or whatever it was, then your eyes will be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And so, Adam and Eve took of the fruit and ate it against God's wishes. He didn't want this on mankind because he knew what would happen. It would lead to horrific evils. And that's what we've got on the planet today, mass chaos. It's getting worse by the day. But anyway, hopefully we will repent Let's not listen to the lies anymore. Let's get over this. Let's move on and learn what life is really, truly about. It's about being in God's kingdom. All men press into it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then everything else will fall into place. That's the promise of Jesus Now, your life may not look like that, and you just have to be patient and be faithful to him, and he will, in due time, bring you to that spot where all things lead to him and his kingdom. We've been sold a bill of goods, folks, let's just face it, but God shall be king and he will move to planet Earth and rule all nations. And there's so much to this, like Zechariah 14, verses 9, 16, and 17, and Psalm 22, 27, and 8. I want to read some of these places, but there are 126 places in the New Testament alone where the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven can be found, but not even one saying, do you know the Lord as your personal Savior? That's right. There are none, not even one, that say that we need to know Jesus as our personal Savior. And he's begging people everywhere to, to know him. No. Some people, he said, I'm not sent to these people. He didn't call them at that time. He knows the timing. He knows the best timing for each and every individual. Not me. I can't decide for my daughter. I can't decide for my two sons or their children. No, it's up to every individual. So Luke 16:16 16, 16 holds true. All men press into the kingdom. Well, if that's the case then, how in the world can it be set up in the hearts of men? Do you ever think about that? I hope you do. John 14:3 says that Jesus went to prepare a place for us and come again that he might receive himself or us to himself and we'd be with them forever. How is that going to happen if it's in our hearts? Not going to happen. It's just, it doesn't make sense. If the apostles are to sit on 12 thrones ruling the 12 tribes of Israel or serving them or, or judging them, how could it merely be set up in our hearts? It can't. Why would God move here to planet Earth and sit down on his throne, if it was only in our hearts. Revelation twenty one five. Let's see what that says. Well, I want to back up a little bit here. In verse uh, two of Revelation twenty one, he says, "And I, John, saw the new city, or the the new the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven." prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, the throne, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. What? Yeah, he's moving to planet earth. And he will dwell with them. Where do men live? In outer space? Not very well. No. No. They live on planet earth, and he is coming here to dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Wow, I mean, that's a huge deal. Neither sorrow nor crying, nor there shall there be any more death pain, for the former things are passed away. Behold, I make all things new, says the one that sits on the throne. There is a real literal kingdom coming. We'll do part two next week. But let's keep in mind, let's find the truth and hold fast to that. Where did Jesus say that we'd go to heaven when we die? Nowhere. We're not going there. He's coming here. I think if it were true and real, it would be someplace in the Bible. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Let's throw out the lies and keep the truth. You can go to my website, which I have nothing to sell on. There's no ads. I'm not trying to get your email or any of that. But it's I Tell Why. Dot .com or jesusiswhy.com I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in today.